online. Kind of family here, you know. Um, the first followers of Jesus had gained a reputation for doing some things that were unusual. And one was back then um, in Roman times, like during those times, there were unwanted babies that were discarded outside the city limits, either in the woods, exposed, they called it exposure. Um, the Christians were kind of known for combing through those areas to rescue babies, raise them as their own. Um, Roman law, the entire ethos of the ancient world saw nothing morally wrong with infanticide or, or with abandoning their newborns on like dung heaps or garbage dumps of the cities. That was, that was common. Cicero wrote this in Roman law, deformed infants shall be killed, which could also legally include if they had a, a sex that they didn't, they didn't want. A Stoic philosopher, Seneca, comments kind of casually, mad dogs we knock on the head, unnatural progeny we destroy, we drown even children at birth who are weakly and abnormal. And then listen to this. This is someone that almost, I guess, all of you have heard this philosopher before. As to exposing or rearing the children born, let there be a law that no deformed child shall be reared. But on the ground of the number of children, also, if the regular customs hinder any of those born being exposed, there must be a limit fixed to the procreation of offspring. And if any people have a child as a result of intercourse and contravention of these regulations, abortion must be practiced on it. That's Aristotle. Okay? Different times. Tertullian says that Christians sought out the tiny bodies of newborn babies where they would go on to those refuse and dung heaps and they would either raise them as their own or treat them before they died or take them and give them a decent burial. So there are tombs where there's tons of these tiny little graves. Here's why the Christians started acting like this. They grew up in those times. They didn't they didn't have that belief system earlier. But once they came to Jesus and all of a sudden they realized that life is sacred and they were created by God, they lived differently. The lies of the pagan society there where the state, the tribe, the collective was the value. And we see that in some countries today. It wasn't with them. They were not like, hey, what's best for society here? They cared about the individual. In China, the one-child policy with, I remember seeing a, a 60 Minutes documentary type thing on it where um, there was kind of a den mother in every village that would watch very closely and monitor all the women for their pregnancies. And if they were pregnant um, and they were beyond the one child, then there were consequences to that. And there were weekly check-ins. That was part of 
not this life isn't sacred, but we're, we have a different belief system. Why do I share this? Is that first, abortion and these tough questions have been around for a long time. Like it's not just a new thing. It has been around for a long time. As followers of Jesus, we are called to live counter to our culture. Like the early followers of Jesus that um, we would provide for, that we would care, and we would love those that can't take care of themselves. So here's a family that I know here in Orlando and um, the grand staffs. And Brian there... um, I got to lead him to Christ in college. And Jesus changed him. And then he married Sarah. And Lauren here is their, is their, Lauren there is their only biological child. And so Brian has made a decent amount of money. (laughs) And he told me, he's like, I feel like I'm making money for one purpose at times, and that is, for us to get on a plane and find kids that we can go and rescue. And so they've been to Siberia, Russia, Ethiopia, Guatemala, and those are the other girls that they've adopted. And we were just over there last Friday, had a great time with all of them. Um, and this, this girl, Emily, here, so when they first got Emily, um, just a crazy story. She is from Siberia and um, <clears throat> wasn't thriving, was not doing well. They said there would be tons of learning disabilities, all kinds of things. Um, she th- thrived incredibly since she's been here, um, but just went to state in cross country. Pretty amazing just how God's done some incredible things. But the change, like, the thing was, is it's like, we want to go and we want to take care of people that can't take care of themselves. And so, those of you that hang out on Twitter, like, it is a nasty place, okay? The Twitterverse is ridiculous. Um, I saw a, a tweet where someone said, and this is kind of a legitimate point, And it was encouraging to see the response, but it says, well, you talk about abortion. Why don't you actually care for a young woman that's going through this and shut up? And that tweet was followed by hundreds of replies. And they were like as follows provided all the finances for her medical treatment, pregnancy and hospital bills, paid for her first three years of college, let her live rent-free for us for the next six years until she was up on her feet. There were tons of those, that people who replied and said, this is what we have done for others. And I was encouraged to see that. All of that behind the scenes unnoticed. My wife and I, when we adopted our, our daughter, Corinne, um, she was born four months early, okay? So here she is, and that was four months early, 
And at that point, we, that was 24 hours after she was born, and we really did not know if she was going to make it. And so my wife was there at the hospital six to eight hours per day. We couldn't even touch her skin at this point. They were saying that's too much. Um, and so um, we found kind of this connection was through an adoption agency that my wife had specifically connected with because we heard about their mission to take care of women that were going through a crisis pregnancy. And it was incredible what they did for them, from furniture to job placement to medical. Like, it was amazing. So we chose this agency because of that. And, um, and guess what? They were Christians. And that's what motivated them to do what they were doing. And so um, this is our little thing now. There she is. Quite the dramatic change. <laughs> it's amazing. There was this value that those, gosh, the people that were behind the scenes there were doing amazing things. And so for us, it was an honor and a privilege to provide financially for that birth mom and to help her out with her medical costs and other things that she wasn't prepared for at all. And as a believer, I was like, this is what God has called us to. I love that our society, that our culture has adopted this Christian principle, the safe haven law, also known as the, the baby Moses law, that anybody can drop off a, a baby at a designated location, no questions asked, and they won't be charged with abandonment. So like, this is the, the safe haven baby box, and those are in numerous locations, and an alarm sounds as soon as it opens up, and they rush in to help. It's just cool that that has sort of survived this thing where we love people that can't survive on their own. Now, we live in a world with complex and challenging circumstances. And there is so much trauma and even misinformation surrounding this topic. One of the most hurtful and disturbing lies maybe that I've ever heard was described to me by a woman who went to um, Planned Parenthood for an abortion. And she didn't want to be there. She felt like she didn't really have a choice. And she said, I will never forget the smell the sounds, and the words that they used to describe my baby. And then she said, and I'll never forget the biggest lie that I've ever been told. And that was when that woman said to me, don't worry, 
in just a little bit, it will all be over. In her opinion, she said that couldn't have been further from the truth. It wasn't all over. It was the beginning of pain and trauma and shame. Today, regardless, there's no way that I could speak to everybody's situation or scenario. There's no way that we could do that adequately. Regardless of how you've been affected by this issue, you can know this. You have a God who loves you and who is waiting to forgive you or who has forgiven you. It is true. And now you are in a community where you don't need to hide anymore. You're in a safe place to be honest. There are resources for you to get help, to help walk you through your pain and your trauma. You are not alone. And you will find compassion and you will find grace here. Rightfully so. We have convictions on this. I want us as believers, be very careful how you communicate those convictions. Because you never know who you're addressing or who's hearing you and what they've been through. Be really careful. I'm encouraged that we have a community where you do not have to suffer alone. And we have truth that says God's grace covers all of it. So I think it's only fitting that this morning we are going to transition into a time of communion together where we are going to acknowledge the truth and the reality of the gospel. I mean, this is what all of these issues come down to. The gospel continually is the answer. I think part of the reason that Jesus asked us to do this thing, like share in this communion, this bread, where you would remember how my body was broken for you, that you would drink this, this juice, this cup, and be reminded of my blood that was shed for you. He knew that we would doubt that at times or that we would forget about it. He knew that we were going to struggle. And so he says, continue to do this. And so this morning, we are going to do this together where we are going to remind ourselves of the gospel for our lives. That his death on the cross was adequate for all of our shame and all of our sin. So in this first song, I want to invite you guys to come up front right here and then right in the back there too and grab the elements and then take communion 
either with your family or friends or by yourself in this first song as we sing some lyrics that really speak to this morning and to the gospel. Let's do this together as I pray us in. God, thank you that you died for us. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you that you love us. God, help us to love others that have been through some really difficult things. I pray, God, that we would be a safe community of faith-filled people that care for one another, that treat every life as sacred. Every life, regardless of their age. And so God, um, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts in this area. Help us to connect closely with you and remember just really clearly what you did for us. You love us, every single one of them of us, with all of our junk. In Jesus' name.